0: Ladies and gentlemen, it is now time. The best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. And you know it. With a tear
1: in my eye,
2: the king is back, baby.
1: Acknowledge me. What's up, everybody? Um, it wouldn't be Top Rope Nation if we weren't going on the air just a couple of minutes late. But yes, we are here. It is episode 300 of the flagship podcast. Ryan Drosty, as always, joined here by Justin Joint. Justin, how'd your weekend go, sir? How you doing? I went
2: pretty good. I, um, You'll be jealous to hear I did ribs again. Well, my um, kids
1: will be jealous to hear nah. that for sure.
2: <laughs> and I've come to realize that uh, I just I because I, I put mustard on the ribs in order to make the the rub stick to it. I just I can't stand the smell of mustard. So I actually put a mask on to to put the mustard down this time. It's so gross. <laughs>
1: God. Enjoyed a few adult beverages while you were at it, I assume. Oh, yeah. Well, you
2: know, when you're slaving away for six hours on a smoking grill, you got to treat yourself to
1: a couple of right. adult beverages. That's right. Uh, as you guys heard on our last flagship show, I went to Chicago, attended Dynamite last week. More on that here in a little bit with friend of the show. Tim it was a great time. I will be talking about that. Uh, but for those of you who are listening on the podcast feed and you're not seeing the video, I do want to point out that I dressed to the nines tonight for episode 300. I do have on the Bret Hart Canadian tuxedo button down. Love it. Justin. Love it. I had that poster in my room as a kid. (laughs) There was somebody that I I, I had mentioned this in the Facebook group a while ago, and they're like, you need to wear that on the show. And I realized tonight as I was getting ready, I haven't actually haven't worn that on the show yet. So what better (laughs) time than episode 300? Here we are. Bring it out. Absolutely. Uh, We're going to be hearing from quite a few of the listeners here in a little bit. We did get some voicemails as I, I was pleading with all of you listeners to send in, please send in your congratulatory messages. And we got quite a few of them, some really good ones, some funny ones. Put those all together into a montage. It's about seven minutes long. I will play that later in the show. Thank you, Gabe. I look like a golden god. I appreciate that. Gabe Benson checking in. Strong patron of the show gabe always good to see him here on the live feed so we're going to be talking about of course forbidden door which happened last night we're not going to go blow by blow every single match every podcast in the world has done that by now so we're going to just kind of give you the highlights uh, and our thoughts on some of the big things that happen you know updates on brian danielson and what's happening with his injury situation as well as when that injury occurred we're we'll talking about all of that but justin just right off the top as we always do I do want to hear your grade for Forbidden Door 2. What'd you give it? Uh, well, it, I had a
2: weird viewing experience with this. Uh, my baby has been sick all week and it's just been keeping me and the wife up all the time. Uh, so really trying to, you know, put in the extra effort, helping out with the kids. So. Over the course of the big, you know, first couple hours of the show, I eventually, you know, having to pause it to go do dad stuff, I ended up like twenty to thirty minutes behind, Mm -hmm. and to get caught up, once the kids were finally in bed, I I I skipped a couple matches of which I've gone back and rewatched since, but literally, right when Danielson Okada started, baby woke up. So I had to go deal with that. And I was, I was in the nursery for the next hour. And by that point, I think I even sent you a text text that I, I hadn't watched it yet. I'm I'm pissed off. You might need to find somebody else to do the show with. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was just in such a bad mood because the other part of it was, and this is my own fault, but I had grabbed my phone at some point. And so I, a bunch of it was spoiled for me. Um, so I didn't get to have that in the moment experience with the show. Um, but I, I was able to go back and, and watch the matches I missed and, you know, it, it, it was top to bottom, really solid, you know, in, in ring action. And unlike last year, it felt like this time that there was actually some consequential storyline stuff, you know, coming out of it, at least one major in, instant of that. Um, so having said that, uh, solid card top to bottom, I would say two absolute classics, undeniable classics. Uh, so I'm going to go A minus. Okay. Yeah. The, 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 the minus just because of my experience and the fact that for the most part, a lot of this stuff is kind of meaningless, you know, in the long run of things. Yeah. Let's yeah. Show in a vacuum.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also had a, a strange viewing experience of this it was kind of in and out early in the show later in the show was, was a lot better but um I've been holding down daddy daycare around here with my wife uh busy with some work things and so with my three children trying to handle all of them at bedtime as forbidden door was on was it was a little challenging um and yeah we were texting back and forth and I was a little nervous you weren't gonna be able to do the pod Justin and it's like, oh, crap, it's episode 300. He has to be on. I'd the forgotten pod. about that, too, when I sent you that message. <laughs> but I, I knew you would come around. We've all had those, you know, in almost seven years of doing this podcast. We've all had those moments where we're wondering, are we going to be able to do this? I don't know if yeah. I can do it or not. And then we come through in the end. So, um, yeah, I I would probably give this a A to A minus as well. I'll just give it the, the full A uh because, again, there were some all time classics on here. Um, especially one and another one that could lead to another classic match, as we mm-hmm. will discuss, and uh, just some memorable moments all around, uh, some glimpses into what we're going to be seeing in the future. And as I always say on these shows, yeah, you got to have the rewatchability. You've got to have something classic to reach the A level for me. So I'll give this an A for sure. Uh, I'll go strong A. Now, our listeners in the poll over on the Twitter page, 91 votes in. about 64% gave it an A and about 21% gave it a B, you know, the C, the D and the F. These are trolls (laughs) at this point. You you could not possibly give the show below a B and have any credibility. They didn't watch it.
2: They didn't watch it or or else they gave it that low of a grade because there wasn't some giant computer graphics that, that were there (laughs) for everybody's entrance. Not enough, not enough camera cuts. Damn it.
1: Yeah, tim in the chat says a plus yeah it, it, this is an a show um yeah a a to b i don't see how you could give it anything other than that <laughs> uh, last year's show we know was I- incredibly strong mm-hmm. and uh this year was no different i would love to attend one of these forbidden door shows at oh, some man. point in time amen last um but uh yeah so we're all pretty much on the same page then about a level show and uh you know Again, we're not going to go through every single match. There's 14 of them. Let me just ask you with this talking point off the top, Justin. um, Too long? What do you think? Yes, everything nowadays.
2: (laughs) I'm old. Everything Mm -hmm. is too long. Movies are too long. Just uh, lines at the store are too long. Um, Yeah, I mean, I could have seen minutes cut out of almost every match, but especially, unfortunately what everybody would consider to be the match of the night if not possibly the match of the year will osprey versus kenny omega i love that match but i got two big qualms about it and one of them is that it took a long time to really get going Mm -hmm. which you know most matches need that especially if you are looking to go for that 30 minutes but in this case I, i really felt like because it was like 37 minutes long i i felt that 37 minutes and also this was more of a, a war it felt like compared to their their wrestle kingdom match and so i didn't i just didn't think they needed to drag it out as long they just probably could you know five minutes in get get to the uh the blood you know
1: yeah and then yeah. go from there did you see my back and forth on twitter with one of the people on there about the length of for before the show happened about uh danielson and okada and i had a tweet no, on our nation twitter page yeah where i was like i'll just pull it up right now it's just like i quote this right but I, I was talking about how i hope they wouldn't go you know an hour or something in that match and uh someone like came after me ab- about that um let's see if i can find it yeah i said okay i can't wait for okada brian but if they go 50 plus minutes on a 14 match show i might start throwing things They don't need that much time to do something extra special. And then I talked about how, you know, Okada and Omega and the G1 was my favorite of their series because it was sub 30 minutes, not overindulgent. And I got something, uh, a reply from someone on there who said, I don't really care if the match is long, if it's good. I think it's a little bit of throwing the baby out with the bathwater if you think matches should never go long. That's not what you said. No, I said starters, I didn't say matches should said. never go <laughs> on. <laughs> I said on a show with this many matches, yeah, I don't need something going 50 minutes. And to your point, um, yeah, the match with Osprey and Omega was about 40, so they were they were pushing it. Now I don't know if you saw any of the press scrum, but Tony was asked about the length of the show, and he got pretty defensive when it when he was asked about it. Um, you know, he talked about how he pushed more onto the pre-show here. Uh, In order to try to get more on the main show, they had five, well, actually four matches on the main show or the pre-show because one got canceled. That being um, it would have been Adam Cole. They ended up having Tom Waller go out there with Serpentico. So actually, yeah, they did have five matches on the pre-show. And so he talked about how, oh, I push more into the pre-show than usual, you know, to lighten the load on the main show. He talked about double or nothing last year, which we were at. And he said that that one ran really long on purpose because of what was happening in the NBA playoffs. And I mean, when it comes down to it, the main show was about four hours. It looks like that's the mark they're trying to hit. Um, but when you if you think you're in the building. And then you're there for that hour pre-show. It's a a long night to sit around for five hours, no matter how much you love professional wrestling. I saw a tweet going around today where it was like it went from leaving them wanting more to uh, (laughs) making them ask for no more something like that, because these these cards are getting so long. And there was some areas I think on this show you could have trimmed the fat a little bit, Mm -hmm. you know, stuff you could have put on collision or dynamite.
2: Actually, I'm, can I ask this question now? Yeah. Probably getting a little bit ahead of ourselves, but the crowd was pretty dead for those last two matches. You, how much of that do you think was the length of the show or the fact
1: that Osprey and Omega probably should have main evented? I think with hindsight, you can say that. I Going in the way they promoted the dream match scenario. Mm -hmm. I feel like you had to put that one on last, but I think with hindsight, you can argue differently. It was weird because I felt in the main event, almost like I was my, I was watching a match happening in Japan Mm, where it's very, very quiet. Right. That's kind of how it felt watching it. It was weird. I do think it was burnout with the crowd. It was also a little bit of, I think people just being in awe (laughs) watching those two guys out there in front of them. Yeah. But yeah, I think hindsight for sure. Nobody could possibly follow what Osprey and Omega did. I mean, it was just off the charts and dangerous. <laughs> the high spots, mm-hmm. the crowd ooing and eyeing all throughout. There's no way you could possibly follow I mean, that, that one had all the glitz and glamour. And,
2: and not to take anything away from Daniel Sinokata, but I think if you took their exact same match and you just flipped flop – you know, their spots on the card. I I just don't think the crowd dies quite as much for the rest of the show. Yeah. Plus it was for a title, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah, exactly. It had the and, argument to go on last for that. Well, and you know, it, it was the second match and you know, what was considered their first match at the Tokyo dome at wrestle kingdom. A lot of people have that as their match of the year. So you kind of know, that these two guys have the chemistry and that, you know, they're going to be able to put on a show. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's a big reason why you, you probably would have wanted that one closing. Yeah.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, there was another title match on this show, Justin, and that was the AEW world title match between mm. MJF and Hiroshi Tanahashi. And we can talk here a little bit about collision if you want as well throughout the show. Cause we haven't had a chance to talk about that, but, uh, man, if you saw Collision Tanahashi and, and his match with Swerve, he looked very bad. I, I texted you as I was watching it on Friday night, or I mean, sorry, Saturday night. And it's sad kind of to see because this is, you know, one of the all time legends. He was mm-hmm. such a top notch worker for so many years. I mean, look at the series with Okada, for example. And his knees are shot, dude. I yeah. mean, he cannot. Part of it was a balance issue, I think, with him not you know, both Saturday night and Sunday night, not being able to get to the top rope, but some of it, I, I think he just can't handle the weight on his knees to like go from that crouching position and stand up. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, they're just the, gone. probably like the stabilizers in her, in his knees are probably shot. Yeah. And then when he goes to do the high fly flow, he barely gets any air. It's like, he's falling off the top rope and yeah. It's, and he's going to do the G one this year. I mean, <sighs> I don't know. Yikes. But after I watched that match on Collision, I'm like, man, MJF, especially in the opening match of the show, he's got his work cut out for him here. And there were still some ugly moments where you could tell that, you know, Tanahashi, again, with the top rope and everything, uh, it was better than the match he had on Collision. Yeah. Uh, Still, though, maybe a little long, 15 and a half minutes, given where Tanahashi is at here at this point in his career, but uh, not a great match. Passable. Um, not what one would expect from a Tanahashi match. If you've been watching pro wrestling for many years, like we have,
2: yeah. I mean, in my eyes, Tanahashi's been going downhill really quick. Like even going back to, I know a lot of people liked his match with Moxley at last year's Forbidden Door. Mm-hmm. Um, thought it was all right, but considering the shape he's in, you know, dealing with all the injuries, I. I I thought MJF did just a tremendous job in this match. I, I thought they laid it out perfectly to get the most out of Tanahashi. And it actually exceeded my expectations because they were very, very low. And just another feather in MJF's cap in this title run for you know putting on another great match.
1: I thought the bit where MJF had scheduled the tweet to go out was kind of creative. That was pretty funny. I mentioned that mgf just tweeted <laughs> <during the laughs> he scheduled this that he he knew he was gonna win. uh he was pretty good with his heel work. You could hear him pretty clearly in the mm-hmm. ring, you know, yelling that was nice, but yeah, I mean, he sold a lot for Tanahashi throughout the match, and uh, like I said, fifteen and a half minutes, pretty uh pretty lengthy match, but yeah, I would agree exceeded my expectations too because I was pretty worried the night before plus you know having tanahashi work two nights in a row given his current an odd choice yeah i felt bad for
2: swerve too, having to eat another television loss to somebody who is on a downward trajectory trajectory
1: yeah so max got the win uh using the dynamite diamond from behind uh with the ref he had pushed the ref and then he hit him with that and covered for the for the pinfall yeah i you look at that m- match last year with Mox, and even that i mean it is quite the turnaround from that match last year. just if you just physically or watch him physically visually, i should say uh man he's he doesn't have much time left, uh, unfortunately, that being tanahashi no nope. all right, punk and Kojima, I really really like this match. Mm-hmm. I very much like the eight man on collision, you know mm-hmm. punk getting loudly booed i mean there was some pro punk people there as well but he was loudly booed in canada um both nights definitely expecting it coming in to forbidden door um doing the hogan ear cupping thing you know bringing on bringing on the booze he hit the uh the big boot and the leg drop because uh bischoff said something like punk is worse than hogan <laughs> no, he was so he definitely heard that. And Punk hears everything that people say online. Mm-hmm. You know, he he leans into all of this stuff on TV. And so he did that both nights on collision and at Forbidden Door here in this match with Kojima. But yeah, I mean you can just tell watching Punk that he is dying to be a heel. And yeah. if this, you know, this is him just partially working heel, imagine when he's full on heel, how good it's gonna be. Because he was tremendous here
2: yeah agree uh he's definitely working heel uh looks like he's having a, just an absolute blast too since he's come back uh both the collision matches have been fantastic and this one was no different this was really good there was some i mean kind of minor history between these guys there was some old uh video with punk and joe giving an interview where it, it almost seems like punk's kind of making i don't know if he's making fun of kojima but he, he's making fun of something there uh i probably should have looked a little bit more into it but the the match was a lot of fun it was a lot of punk uh,
1: kind chops. of chops a lot of chops
2: yeah a lot of chops which is funny considering you know you go back to Comments that were made previous to his return, where he's talking about Hangman being dangerous in the ring and getting stiff, and then you know he comes back and every single match is just you know people really laying into each other. I, mm-hmm. I wonder if he's telling people to do that. Just pretty great, but I, I liked all the posturing and the posing in this match. You know, they did the the peck dance. Kojima did that, and then then Punk <laughs> had to do his own, and yeah. a lot of flexing. And like I said, it's just. That that is somebody who's having the time of his life right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I I put this out on Twitter too. Anybody who thought that Punk should not return is dead ass wrong. You know, watching this guy, he is he has brought so much to the promotion since he's returned. Just an excitement, you know. Collision feels like a totally different show. It feels like almost like Mm -hmm. a different promotion. Yes, in some ways, I I love the intro on Collision that was like Saturday Night's main event. That was so good. Well, in
2: in the in the opening quick interviews made it, you know, had a a survivor series
1: nostalgia feel to it that I like. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. That was, that was so good. Um, yeah, it it just feels like almost a different universe. You know, we know they don't have the hard brand split, but I love what they've done on collision just through two episodes. Punk's been tremendous, you know, love him working with FTR and he's already elevating people just coming back a couple of weeks. Like I, I threw this out in the Facebook group. Look at Ricky Starks. I mean, this guy, we have talked about him. For years now, as an up and coming star, but there's always been like something missing. He's never really felt like a top guy yet. And just putting him out there with Punk and FTR and the charisma he showed next to guys who are top guys, it showed like he belongs right then and there. And he was instantly elevated. Um, he did a his promos are kind of hit or miss, but he did a backstage promo after Dynamite that was only for social media. It's worth watching if you didn't see it, even though the matches happen now, um, but it was to promote the collision match. And he spoke last, you know, and they're like, oh, tell him Ricky. And he had a great promo. And just, you know, just those few days of working with Punk and FTR has elevated Ricky Starks in a way that nobody else has really been able to do mm-hmm. for years now. You know, he had the win over Chris Jericho back at Revolution. That didn't do anything for him. You know, he's just kind of been languishing. And I to me he felt like a legit guy that can hang around the main event scene in just one week. I think fans. he, I think you know he hasn't been a, a, around as long,
2: and obviously he was a big deal over in Japan. But I think he can make the same argument for Jay White.
1: Oh yes, for sure. That, Tons that he, of uh, those those two, White and Punk. Yeah, those guys like have some electricity between. Yeah. us watching them. Agree. I, I, I'm very
2: much looking forward to the eventual singles match between those two. Yes, hundred percent
1: so you know and even the guns even the guns Mm -hmm. were fantastic in that match and the guns are someone we've talked about a lot you know over the last few months especially when they got the tag titles and Mm -hmm. i know i said on the pod at the time boy i don't know that they should have the tag team titles right now i thought there was a lot of potential there Mm -hmm. now they're there like now they legit could be tagged i still feel like it was kind of odd to put the titles on when they did they were still growing into the role but they are hitting on all cylinders now yep. they got the character down they got the entrance down i love the thing yep. they do where they spit the water as they do the yep. gun fingers and it looks like smoke going off i mean I the agree. act is, is they, locked in now yep yeah. they're really growing on me saw them up close and personal with tim after dynamite we were waiting for our uber outside of the wind trust arena and they walked right past us no really yeah Hoodies. how big, are, how big are they are they big like their dad or are they a little bit shorter Your Not your you're high tall really uh, yeah. Like I'd say around my height, I'm about six foot, right around there. Not as definitely not as tall as him. Yeah. So, let's see. We got Adam checking in the chat. Speaking of JY, do you see him as a future AEW champion? I I mean, there's definitely potential there. I wouldn't say no. Not not in the near future. Yeah, was good. That's that was yeah. my reaction. Was I I don't see it anytime soon. But I mean, this guy's been a champion over Japan. So I I mean, definitely has the ability. And speaking of Adam, he had a question for us on Facebook earlier today. And I said I was going to reference it on the show. I'll just read it verbatim here. I do have it pulled up. He said, I'd really like to know how does the main event end up the way it did? I mean, how does the agreement between Okada and Danielson go down on who wins the match? And will there be a rematch down the line? And if so, where would this take place? He says, "I ask this because if there is one, I'd like to see it here in the states." Um, so, I guess we could talk about it when we get to the Okada-Danielson match. But in general, how do you decide who's going to win these matches when it's a you know a joint promotional show? I thought that was worth talking about right now. I think for a lot of these, it just comes down to what makes sense. There's a mm-hmm. there's a, a couple of matches where it could go either way, but I think if you if you lay out the card, you want to you definitely want to have it balanced. Yep. It is a joint promotional show. But it's in North America. It's an AEW ring. It's an AEW setup. So it's kind of like on their home turf. So you want to you give Japan some wins. But when you look at the early portion of this card, uh, I mean, it was at least on the main card. It was all AEW. MJF winning. Punk winning. Cassidy winning. You know, I, I didn't see any of those going the other way. Cassidy's hot right now I got to keep the AEW international title on him of course Punk was going to advance in the Owen Hart tournament and MJF's not losing Tatahashi right so there's no chance that goes any other way and then you get Sonata and and Jack Perry for the IWGP ugliest belt in pro wrestling world (laughs) title and like there's no way Jack Perry's winning that match right so like those just make sense um and then you know the elite Blackpool Combat Club they're Largely AEW factions with some Japanese wrestlers thrown in, so that could go either way. But you're still kind of on the winning side, regardless. Didn't um, so, Ishii
2: get the pinfall?
1: Yes, Can I remember and I that think, correctly. Yeah, yep. And I think largely because again, like AEW is mostly shining to that point in the yeah. show outside of Sonata. So like they're throwing New Japan a bone there. All right, well, have Ishii get the get the victory. Uh, and you know, you move through the rest of the show. Okay. Tony storm, Willow Nightingale, obviously Tony's not going to lose that one. And then you get down to the, to the last three and we'll talk about those when we get to them. But I think largely this one kind of wrote itself. I think, you know, both bookers are definitely going to talk about it. Um, but, uh, you, you want to have it balanced for sure. I know they go in wanting it to, you don't want to bury the other promotion, you know, not like Vince did during the invasion or something Hmm. like that. But, um, On this show in particular, there just was not much leeway, I didn't think. I think
2: think the only toss-up would have been Danielson and Okada, but it's kind of the reverse of Osprey and Omega where you kind of expected Osprey to win, to get the win back from the match in Japan. And Mm -hmm. now you're looking at it like, well, Danielson gets the win in the match that takes place in North America – you'd assume that the rematch happens at Wrestle Kingdom where Okada can get the win back.
1: And I'm, I'm sure that kind of stuff plays into it. That's exactly right. That's exactly what I was thinking. I think the rematch is going to be at Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, I could tell you for a fact that Brian has wanted to work Wrestle Kingdom. <laughs> and to work Okada there would be right up his alley. He'll have the freedom to do that. So knowing that if they go in knowing it's going to be a series or they're at least going to do a couple of matches, I think if you're going to wrestle, wrestle kingdom, you got to have Brian win this match. I also felt like, you know, presenting Brian as a legend, despite, you know, him not being a champion in AEW and, and not working that much due to, you know, health concerns lately. I kind of felt like he had to win the match. I know some people were pretty vocal on social media that they were shocked Brian won. I was not shocked at all. I I was pretty dead set. I know we didn't do a preview show, but I was pretty dead set Brian was going to win this match because we have said so many times on this show that he's almost too generous sometimes. Like he never wins. Yes. <laughs> as, as great as he is, I'm like all right, you got to win this one. He has to win this one. And then when he came out to final countdown, come on, man. <laughs> yeah.
2: And especially, I mean, we've 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 fantasy booked a little bit, you know, all in going into all out and our assumption is we're probably going to get Danielson versus punk number one contenders match and then maybe get punk versus MJF at all out and so you you need Danielson to get the big win here in saying big win might be an understatement I mean this is a a huge win this is a probably a top five all-time win for Danielson in his Mm -hmm. entire career I mean it's it's gigantic and you know I this is also probably one of those instances where I don't think you have to talk Okada into it. I think he'd no. be more than happy to do, you know, the honors to for Danielson. He even sent out a uh, tweet afterwards saying uh, something like, thank you, Toronto. Thank you, AEW. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, fans. Something along that line. So the, it, I'm sure it was an
1: honor for him to be in the ring with Danielson. I, yeah, I think the reverse is probably true. You might have had to talk Danielson into winning the match. I, 100%. 100%. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't think, yeah. Okada's probably like wanting to lay down for him, you know, for sure. So, yeah. Um, We'll, we'll talk a little more on that match here very momentarily. Um, Justin, I, I mentioned the next matches that come after Punk and Kojima. So, again, we were both big fans of that match. Love everything Punk's done mm-hmm. since he's been back. Looks really good in the ring. Love the way he's bouncing out of the ring over the ropes to show his health is, you know, right up there. Don't do any crowd dives, please. But he's uh yeah, he's he's looking really good out there. I love the chops in this match. There was a spot where Punk was chopped like over the barricade. That was That's really great. good. Yep. Uh Punk yelling at, at the he there in the corner and he was yelling out Lariat. That was pretty funny. Um now Kojima hit an elbow drop and apparently legit hit punk in the nuts. And I don't know if you've seen this or not, but punk has something up on his Instagram story right now, where he's basically, he's being very complimentary to Kojima. And then he has a picture of the elbow drop coming in. And then he has screenshot. I think it's a tweet of Kojima saying that he hit him right in the nuts or something like that. And he put it up there on his, on his Instagram story. So That's legit. He, uh, He definitely hit him. Are you looking it up right now?
2: Yeah, I'm looking for it.
1: (laughs) I'm trying to remember exactly what it said, but something, it's translated to, you know, what Kojima had said about Punk. I wish there was an easy way I could bring this up on the video feed right now. Okay, so it's... uh, Well, first it has a a promo where he said, I'm going to kill you, you idiot, Kojima. And then then he's got the elbow drop, a picture of the elbow drop coming in. This is Punk posting this. And then, yeah, Kojima said, my elbow drop hit his cock. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) And then the next thing is Punk saying, I love Kojima. So, yeah, yeah. good stuff. Yeah, good stuff. You'll love to see it. Uh, So. Outside of that, so do you have any deep thoughts on the international title match or the IWGP world title match?
2: No, I I enjoyed the four-way. Uh, I thought it set up some potential matches down the road, uh, and I loved Orange Cassidy kind of, you know, barely getting the win, just continuing his streak as, as champion. And frankly, I, I think the AEW international championship is more meaningful than the uh, IWGP title at this point. I uh, I didn't mind the layout of Sonata and Jack Perry, especially the lead-in where they're basically saying, "I don't watch your matches. I don't know who you are," mm. and that they're pretty blatantly stealing the other person's moves in the match. But uh, there there was no drama in that match for me. There's no doubt yeah. Sonata was going to win. I, I'm not the biggest Sonata fan. It it, it feels. Desperate's a little bit too strong of a word, but it's damn near close to that, that they're really wanting a new star. And so that's why they're trying to build Sonata up, but I'm just not convinced he's that guy. I'd say most importantly was what happened after the match.
1: The turn. Finally. Yes. Yes, finally. Jungle Boy goes heel. He had Hook out there with him at ringside. After he lost, they really keep the camera on him going up the aisle. So you knew something was going to happen. I thought with hook out there too, it just kind of seemed like something was going to happen. And yeah, they get to the top of the ramp and jungle boy takes him out and, you know, officially a heel now. And uh, yeah, that was probably the most notable thing. As you said, coming out of those two matches, the four way, the four way, what I saw was very good, but this was also when I was trying to get my three kids down Mm -hmm. to bed and I haven't rewatched it yet. I I would recommend, yeah, I I was going to say,
2: I'd recommend going back and watching that one. I'm going to be curious to see what they do for the explanation as to why Jungle Boy turned on Hook. Mm -hmm. Because it seemed like, you know, when they first left the ring, uh, Jack kind of took the initiative, you know, I think put his arm around Hook or something like that, where it it looked like they were still okay. And then when they got halfway up the ramp, you know, Hook Mm -hmm. took the time to, to raise Jungle Boy's arm. And then that's what triggered jack, so i'll I'll be curious to hear what he has to say as to why and also props to to Taz Taz sold the turn tremendously mm-hmm. and 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 they used that to get Tony Schiavone on the announcer table for the rest of the show, which I thought was a, a good use of that.
1: yeah, when they did the hand raising thing right up there at the top of the ramp, it's like, all right, it's coming. you yeah. could see it coming from a mile away when they did that. uh, okay. So the uh, the big team elite versus team Blackpool combat club match five on five. Um, what'd you think of this one? Chaotic. Uh, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a nice
2: mix of the two teams' styles, where you kind of have the the spot fest, you know, of a of a young bucks match, combined with just the, the more of the the brawling of the Blackpool Combat Club. Um, love the interactions between Moxley and Kingston. I'm wondering if that's where they're going to go for
1: uh, All In, I think would be mm. an interesting destination. Who was that that was... Um, I think it was Bully Ray was out there today advocating that they should do more with Eddie Kingston. I was thinking, where you been, Bully Ray? <laughs> We've been saying that for like a year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's got... Kingston has always had so much potential for top feuds, and he's always pretty much delivered when he's been in them.
2: And you know, I'm I'm so torn on that because I'm really digging the him and Claudio stuff. You know, I was a big mm-hmm. fan of of their match at Supercard of Honor. Yep. And I think the end game is him, you know, dethroning Claudio. And, and I like the idea of Kingston as kind of the face of Ring of Honor. But I don't get to watch it because it's behind a paywall and I already pay for
1: too much streaming shit that I, I'm just not going to pay for more of it. I'm I'm sure you'll still see plenty of them on AEW. As yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Yeah, this was a hard-hitting affair. I agree that the Kingston Mock stuff was the highlight. I liked um, when Ishii and Takeshita were going at it, too. That was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, Page, of course, he hits the moon salt off the top as he... not always but often does and always is a huge spectacle when he does that looked good um yeah I mean again the rise of Takeshita too I think is the underlying story here he's he's looked tremendous you know as they've been pushing him over the last couple of months I I don't know if that's what you were alluding to but
2: that spot at the very beginning of the match when it looked like he actually knocked out Ishii yeah, that was that was fantastic. Mm-hmm. I I almost thought they were going to do a stretcher job or something. I was like, holy yeah. shit, they are really <laughs> building up to Keshta,
1: Yeah, so I mean, yeah, it was chaotic all around the ring. Um, eventually they settled down, but I mean, yeah, everyone had their moment in this match. You know, mm-hmm. as you as you would imagine in the five on five. But uh, yeah, as you said, Justin Ishii scores the win. Uh, he gave the brainbuster to Wheeler Yuta, and uh, Kingston was arguing with the elite after the match so as he said in the buildup, what do you he say he, he respects them but he doesn't like them or something like that
2: something along that
1: line yeah here. what did gabe say here in the chat kingston is the new jake the snake high praise he doesn't need a title feud his promos can put anything he does over blood feuds i agree with that too mm-hmm. yes indeed all right moving on justin so reference to this one tony storm willow nightingale they had a good match tony storm's phenomenal uh willow nightingale the up-and-comer and uh you know took the title off of the former sasha banks previously so she belongs in in a big match with tony storm uh but it, there was no chance tony storm was going to be losing the AEW yeah. women's championship here and she was on the press scrum after the show as well healing it up right next to tony khan i watched that she was tremendous um i think she should hold the title for quite some time unless they have a big name coming in well i'd assume it's going to be all out jamie hater yeah. i would think if she can get back in time yeah she should i mean definitely hold it throughout the summer thoughts
2: on that match no not really I, i'm enjoying tony storm's heel work um i actually kind of dig in the outcast too outside mm-hmm. of the more the more cornier aspects of them like the spray paint I could do without that but I think that's a good trio.
1: Yeah. Agree. Yeah, it's grown on me since the beginning. Mm-hmm. I will definitely say that. Yeah. So they were all out there. Uh Ruby was there, Seraya was there. Um but yeah, let's see anything else to talk about there before we get to Omega and Osprey. I don't think I have anything else in my notes. Yeah. All right, let's talk about it. Kenny Omega and Will Ospreay. So Lots of discussion on this one going on online about the dangers uh, and what they went through, you know, with the Tiger Driver 91 and how ugly that looked, how dangerous and Mm -hmm. scary it was at the time. And, you know, uh, should these guys be doing this to their bodies? There was a post about this in the Facebook group, and I was going to bring it up on the show because I was going to reply. And then I was like, now I'll just talk about it." we're an hour away from the show. Who posted that? Okay. Yeah, it was Curtis. I got Curtis up in Canada. So he had quoted something that Matt Kuhn said on Twitter, oh, and he God. said, I'm curious, what are your thoughts about the Tiger Driver 91 last night? He said, personally, it scares the hell out of me, but Will and Kenny are two of the very best in the business, and if they feel they can pull a move off safely, then they should be free to pull it off. So I thought it was ironic that Curtis mentioned this because Brian Danielson, who got hurt, spoiler alert, last night, was asked pretty much this very question in the press scrum uh, because they brought up the tiger driver and how dangerous it looked and you know, his injury history. And they asked him, what do you think? Are, you know, are they setting expectations too high and doing moves like this? I think the person in the media who questioned uh, Brian said, you know, all these young wrestlers look up to people like Will and Kenny. And if they do stuff like that, is that a bad example? And what Brian said was that he believes that wrestlers should constantly be in communication with the medical team at AEW. And by the way, he really put over the AEW medical team, not just mm-hmm. because of like the forearm injury that he had in the main event, but he, Brian specifically said, he has worked places where people have been rushed back from concussions. And that mm. does not happen here. He said, that does not happen here read into that (laughs) what you will. But he said, you know, he can't at this point in his career, he can't do everything that he used to do. Brian's talking now. He says that he consults with their doctors and their medical team. And he literally asks about, you know, their opinion on can he do this move or not? And he listens to them. And so he said that, you know, he would hope all wrestlers do that. Brian says he believes that everyone kenny will they should talk to the medical team and think is this something that i can do and should do can my body take this at this moment in my career you know based on them examining their bodies you know can i withstand that but then he also said he's not going to tell someone to not do something that looks dangerous because he talked about how he's been injured doing the most routine things all the time (laughs) like his injury in the main event was from taking an elbow drop. I mean, how many thousands of times has he taken an el- elbow drop in his career and not broken his arm? So he he talked about how like it's weird you will get injured doing routine stuff all the time. So he he wouldn't feel comfortable telling somebody don't do that. It's too dangerous when injuries come from really subdued things all the time. But at the same time, he does think they should talk to the medical staff and ask for their opinion on stuff before they do it
2: yeah i'm of two minds on on this um it was certainly gnarly looking and it made me cringe more than pop Mm -hmm. it worked it worked well into the finish i'll give it that much um and you know will and kenny are professionals and, and i've i'd feel weird as some midwestern doughy fan trying to tell them what what they should do in their (laughs) matches but the other part of me is like you know look at the all japan guys that kind of set this precedent in the early and mid 90s i mean they didn't age well and you know one of them died obviously so i you know i assume that Kenny and Will don't have a death wish, and that they know what they're doing and they trust each other. And so I, I'll I'll leave it up to them.
1: Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah. This was a spectacle. I'm sure this is gonna get over five stars in the Observer. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Uh it was interesting. So Kenny came out to like his old New Japan theme. And uh, you know, he's obviously getting the babyface reaction there in Canada. Uh, but there was a lot of people che- cheering Will Osprey too. Now, given what had happened leading into this match with Omega winning the US title, IWGP US title from Will at Wrestle Kingdom, I assumed Osprey was going to get the win here. Mm-hmm. To me, it wouldn't have made again we're talking about what makes sense. It would have made sense for Omega to retain. He's not the you know the guy that's over in Japan all the time. So you assume the title's moving back to Osprey. Um. Yeah, I mean, I again, I would shave off some time from this. It's forty minutes long. Maybe did a little bit too much. You know, it was a blood war. Both guys bled. What do you think of that spot where uh, Kenny's blood was on Osprey's bicep, and he flexed and licked the blood? It's gross. It's a little too much for me. Yeah, <laughs> a little too much for me. I'm not
2: convinced. Uh, I'm not convinced Kenny actually juiced. No, I. It, it, it never went below his forehead, and it, I don't know. It, it really looks painted. It really looked painted on there. There was, I mean, everybody bleeds differently. I know, like, pay uh, Hangman Page kind of bleeds funny, and and, and especially in that first match with uh, Danielson. But you know, it could just be that he, Kenny's not known for bleeding, so
1: mm-hmm. um, that's just something. That kind match, of, M.J.F. has. Blade job was not real good in that. one. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So that, that could just be the case, but there was part of me that was kind of it. just, I found it to be distracting. I will say, but uh, Osprey made up for it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He ends up blading and he was covered in blood and it was running down. His, his whole face was covered. Uh, Adams in the chat that he wished they would have intro them in the ring. Like they do for big boxing matches. I agree. I like yep. when they do that. makes Same. it feel big time. Uh, so yeah, I mean, you get down to it, you get both guys blading, as I said. Um, Kenny's happened when Will slammed his head in the announce table like over and over. A call, a call then, back to their
2: Wrestle Kingdom match.
1: Yep, when Kenny did then, that to Osprey. Yep, and then Omega comes back and he does it to Osprey uh, on the steel steps. Oh, mm. that that's that was so gnarly,
2: especially when because they're, you know, he's slamming his face on those steel steps, and then when he propped it up you could just see the blood running down the steel steps that was a a gnarly uh visual yeah sorry for saying gnarly so much everybody (laughs) i like it bring it back (laughs)
1: uh so yeah at this point we're quite a ways into the match and near falls back and forth i'm biting on some of these um and then I mean, it, it. you could tell, like, every time they would go down, they'd get back up and they'd fight some more. You know, it's taking them longer and longer to get back to their feet. Uh, Callus comes out. You know, they had the uh, he was kicked out of ringside early, even though he had the security guards there. Then he comes back out. I
2: hated that. Yeah, I, I, I get why they did it and why it, it, you know, it obviously fed into
1: the finish.
2: But I found that to be incredibly distracting and it took me out of the match.
1: Agreed. Agreed. Eventually, Callis passes Will, uh, the screwdriver, and he uses it to get out of the one-winged angel. He hits a stormbreaker, uh, but Omega got his foot on the rope to break uh, up the pinfall.
2: You know, talking about these two being professionals, mm-hmm. the ring awareness uh, of that sequence and where Kenny Omega ended up in order to, when, when he was pinned after that stormbreaker he he wasn't trying to get into a certain position it's just where he ended up perfectly aligned where his foot just barely got on the yep. rope i mean yep. that what that was chef's kiss
1: professional wrestling <laughs> 100% 100% um there's something early oh i was going to mention the fact that will basically replicated Shawn michael's entrance from montreal <laughs> during mm. this match mm-hmm. when he uh he grabbed the Canadian flag and he got up on the ring apron and he was sliding it between his legs. And then couldn't, he couldn't quite sho- get it to stick in his nose. Yeah, he was shoving up his nose exactly like Shawn Michaels did during his entrance in Montreal at uh, Survivor Series 97. There was also this entertaining moment when he went after these two young kids down in, in the first row. Mm-hmm. And those kids did not back off at all, dude. They just, they just kept screaming at him. And you could it was like he could hardly believe that these guys kept going at. And that that's when he grabbed the Canadian flag. I think right after that is when that happened. But he talked about that um, in the press scrum afterwards. He is a super likable guy, by the way, if you watch him in these press scrums, you know, just talked about how much he loved working this match and he's not an AEW performer, but he loves working over here. And he, he definitely put in his best bid to, uh, to work at all in. And he talked about how it's, I don't know, like 20 minutes from his house or something. He said he's if he's not booked on the show, he'll be attending it to watch. You got to put him on that show. I mean, come Absolutely. on. Absolutely. Absolutely. But uh he said in the press problem something about those kids and how like, boy, they don't have any manners. And he went out there to tell him. <laughs> <laughs> this 12-year-old is swearing at him. It was it was pretty funny. Uh so yeah, you you get down then towards the end of this match and then Osprey um uses the V trigger. And the one-winged angel against Omega, <sighs> oh, orgasmic that that <laughs> one count
2: kickout in you
1: your voice. Yes. Oh
2: my God, that was oh so good. That was the highlight of the night for me. That yep. that was fucking perfect. And I guess my question for you would be, what what's a better uh, one count kick out? this or the one from Revolution twenty twenty? I think the the Bucks did the. Uh, Ooh. I would go with this just because it was I his this own one. move. It it, yeah. it it felt like the finish to me. I thought I thought, oh, this is it.
1: Mm-hmm. Crowd went crazy when Kenny kicked out of that one. Oh, um, it was fantastic, fantastic. So then, I mean, pretty much right after this, you get the Tiger Driver spot, no pinfall, um, and if if finally he hits the Stormbreaker again and covers to win the U.S. title. So, I mean, this will be talked about all year. Match of the year, potentially. Mm-hmm. It delivered. People's pe- people's expectations going in were sky high. And you have those kind of expectations after what these guys did previously at Wrestle Kingdom. And to live up to that and then some is, you know, that's really saying something. So, so hell of a match.
2: We've basically already talked about it, but you think it would be better... If they shaved off at least probably like five to seven minutes, and maybe have just let Don Callis sneak in briefly to hand the screwdriver to Will Ospreay and then duck out right away, instead of basically being there for the entire last ten minutes of the match.
1: Yeah, but those are my so. big
2: qualms with it. I,
1: I think yeah. I think it would have been damn near
2: perfection without those two flaws.
1: Mm-hmm. No, I agree. You shave off 10 minutes and make it a little tighter. But I mean, God, I mean, we're grasping at straws. Yeah, right? yeah. Because it was just such an such an awesome match. And there was there was no following this whatsoever. Next so, match. Sure. Shit didn't. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> Sting and Darby Allen and uh Tetsuya Naito taking on at Jericho, Sammy Guevara and Minoru Suzuki. Sting's worst match since coming back. Thanks, Easily, Jericho. Thanks, Jericho. Thanks, <laughs> Jericho. I mean, there were some scary spots here. Sorry, Michael. Spot- <laughs> Sorry, Michael. <laughs> Going after Jericho again, but it's true. Sting's worst match. Jericho's out there. He wasn't involved, though, in one of the ugly spots, which was yeah. Sting on the outside on the table. Sammy goes up to do the 450, and Sting doesn't get out of the way in time. Okay, so, yeah. Was- I guess I didn't... I couldn't figure out if he was supposed
2: to take it and mm-hmm. then, you know, just basically struggle. I think he was styled. definitely supposed to
1: move. Okay. I but think almost I, certainly. I,
2: you know, Sting is big on the, you know, warrior spirit, strong style, where he'll take a move and no sell it. Cause he was back in the ring immediately after that maneuver. So I just, it, that didn't really phase me. To me, the worst one was when he had the uh, Scorpion Deathlock on. And Sammy jumped off the top rope, and there was a pretty mm-hmm. obvious like head-to-head collision. The cutter th- attempt, yeah, yeah. That, that I think that kind of uh, sent Sting for a loop because he seemed a little off for the rest of the match, especially yes. for the the finishing
1: portion. You know, Sting is this weird deal where I was always a Sting fan. I know you were too. Mm-hmm. Sometimes when these guys come back, I get a little tired of them. Like, all right, man, you know, like it's time to wrap it up. Sting is a rare occurrence where I think I've become a bigger fan of him.
3: <laughs> same,
1: same, man. I, I mean, you know I don't know if
2: Tony Khan has done a better job booking anybody in AW than he has Sting.
1: He <laughs> <laughs> talked about that and Sting was on the press scrum, which was interesting Ooh, to see. Uh, him and Darby that. were the first people that came out, and actually Darby got a little pissed cuz nobody asked him any questions really yeah every question was for sting and there's this awkward spot where darby was like all right i guess nobody's gonna ask me any questions and then right after that um jericho came out and there was this confrontation and then that was like the end (laughs) but um yeah sting talks about how like his return is like literally week to week and tony talking him into doing a little bit more you know and seeing what he wants to do and he was straight up asked because he's he's hinted at that he's wrapping up his career. He was straight up asked in the press scrum if All In is going to be his retirement match, and he said no. He said he will he will be wrestling past then. Wow. Yeah. He and I know we've all speculated on that, but he said no. He's he believes he'll be wrestling past All In, but he is getting down you know towards the end. Hmm. So, but he's going to be going a little while longer. He said. So we uh we shall see. But yeah, there, those two spots the table spot and the scorpion deathlock spot i was a little worried because i want i want to see more of him, and i've enjoyed seeing this era of his career unfold and i was a little worried this guy you know with his age and stuff was going to get legit hurt pretty badly out there but luckily he appears to be totally fine but yeah i'm looking for my tweet because i quoted this last night or summarized it he said he thinks he will continue on after wembley stadium but things are winding down for him so Anyways, he had his, his face paint on doing the old Joker bit, like he uh, kind of like what he did in TNA. Uh, so a little bit different look from Sting in this match. Uh, there was a spot where there was the suicide dive to the outside and Jericho hit the Judas effect to counter it. That was pretty cool to give Jericho some props here. I can't remember who was, was that? Dar- that was Darby, wasn't it? Yeah, imagine it was dark. Yeah, I don't think it was. Le-
2: Less cool was Jericho doing the lion salt directly into like the lower torso, basically right into Naito's knees. Yeah, where you could tell that that was a spot he wasn't actually trying to hit it. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, I need to do this lion salt in order to get the the reversal.
1: Yeah. So they give the pinfall to the Japanese workers, um, Naito ended up pinning Suzuki to get the fall. I think, like, match placement-wise, this is pretty much perfect yeah. where they put it. Mm-hmm. You know, you get a legend out there like Sting, Jericho, you know, a legend as well. Some young guys, um, this wasn't going to be, like, match of the night, but, you you know, you keep the crowd engaged by having some big stars out there and, and place this right between your two top-level matches. I, I like that for match Agreed. placement.
2: Honestly, outside of the two main matches maybe being flip- flopped, it's a perfectly uh, laid out card, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I agree. All right, the main event got something special here for you. Ooh. So <laughs> yes, that like what? I told you I'd, I had a couple of things specially planned for episode 300 tonight. One is the voicemails, which we will play after we discuss this match. The first one is a unseen video clip filmed live at AEW Dynamite last Wednesday evening at the Wind Trust Arena mm. in Chicago. Because if you guys heard last week's show, I talked about, first of all, Punk being at the show. And we've said this for weeks. You had to put Punk on the Go Home Dynamite show in his hometown after he was on Collision, which they did. But I said, you know, if Okada is there, I would be fine if Punk's not on the show because I have never seen Okada in person. I've wanted to see this guy for years. He is might be in my top 10 favorites of all time. I've wanted to see him for a long, long time. And finally, I saw him. Brian called out Okada, as you all saw at the end of Dynamite. And our buddy Tim took a video of my reaction. And I'm going to play it here on the show. I hope you enjoy this hmm. you'll hear me in the background and then you will see me towards the end here it is <laughs> <laughs> yeah, i'm sorry if the volume was too yeah. loud but if you saw the camera shake it's because i was i was shaking tim as he was making his entrance okay so i loved this match technically speaking i thought it was amazing Ooh. and of course the final countdown how could you not love oh. it jeez i've watched it numerous times today i've been playing Same. the song all day Same. long <laughs> gabe liked the clip the,
2: thank you gabe the uh entrance video was perfect for the the music Mm -hmm. because they they had i don't know if that was part of the original song how it kind of started a little bit with just some weird noises and and then the kicked out it is the the crowd lost their fucking minds
1: my only regret here is excalibur having to mention the detroit pistons during this but outside of that it was uh <laughs> wait i missed that what the what oh that yeah he talked about how the pistons use this the bad boys pistons oh. used this song back in the 80s I'm like really fuck them <laughs> that was kind of odd to bring up during the entrance but that's his favorite basketball team i guess uh man yeah i've i've watched this many many times and yeah that is how it starts with kind of those weird machine noises at the beginning and as oh, okay. it was happening live I heard that and I was like, oh my God, they actually did it because there was all this talk this week about because of some licensing contract that went through, it might be like cheaper for them to get this song. We all heard before Brian got to AEW that the the song was just going to be way too expensive and that's why they couldn't use it like hundreds of thousands of dollars. And Tony talked about in the press scrum that he still had to pay a lot of money for this. And he said, basically, it was like a wrestler's contract. To play this song, which I'm wow. sure the wrestlers probably maybe don't like to hear if they're trying to get raises, you know. But he said he thought it was worth it for such a special match. It's not going to be Brian's permanent no. entrance song moving forward, Never. but he did say he thought he thinks he can get it at least one more time, is what he said. But they do have the rights to it on all the replays, so anytime you go back, and he mentioned an eventual streaming service, um, they will have this. You know, forever on this show, they've paid enough where it, they won't have to, like, you know, overdub it or something like that. I mean, this
2: is the perfect kind of fan service. This mm-hmm. is how, you know, Tony Khan is a true wrestling fan where this isn't going to make him any extra money d- spending for that. That's just for the fans. I'm sure that yeah. I'm sure it was just for himself. You know? Yeah. Spend Spend a buttload of money to make a moment that us nerds are never going to forget about it because yeah. it was incredible.
1: I, <laughs> yeah, I mean, anybody who was watching Brian before he came to WWE, you know, this was special. This was amazing to see. And Brian's Brian said that he doesn't think he's even heard the song since his last entrance in ROH using it. And he even said, he said for some reason before he went out for the main event, he was in kind of a bad mood. And he really? said when he heard the song, something flipped and he smiled and he was all in. On wow, this. I hadn't heard that. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. So worth watching. Brian's just such a likable guy. When you watch yeah. these press scrums too, I'd I'd recommend going on their YouTube page and watching him at the at the very end there because just super engaging, nice guy, and gave some thoughtful answers. I quoted the one earlier about injuries and risky moves and whatnot. So yeah, it was it was a technical masterpiece. You know, as you would think now, Brian got injured during it, which changed the trajectory of the match, of course. Can
2: I ask you about that real quick? Because
1: as I said, I didn't watch this match until
2: 5 a.m. this morning when the baby woke up and I just threw him in his jumper. And it's like, all right, so Danielson time for dad. Uh, I knew everything that happened. I knew that he possibly fractured his arm during it, mm -hmm. which and that also kind of took me out of the match a little bit. So I'm kind of watching for that. And I noticed he didn't start selling the arm until after the elbow drop, but the elbow didn't land on it, I should say Okada's elbow landed on Danielson's left arm. So it must've been something on Okada's lower half, like a knee landing on Danielson's right arm on the way down. Is that what I'm assuming what happened? Cause I couldn't tell on the elbow drop.
1: Yes. So I went back and watched this right after the press scrum. It was a late night last night. I was taking some (laughs) screenshots, and they're on my other computer, so I wish I could have uploaded them here and put them on the screen. But if you re-watch it, it's about... I think the first one, it's about 12 or 13 minutes left in the match. He took two top rope elbows from Okada in like a four-minute span. So the Okada hits, and I don't believe it happened on the first one because... He hits the first one. Brian rolls it into uh, an armbar. And after that, Brian hits a suicide dive to the outside. And then there was like the kick spot on the aisle. I I don't think he's doing that suicide dive if he broke his arm there. I don't think it happened there. And then like four minutes later, they're rolling back into the ring. And if you remember, this is kind of ironic because I think it was Excalibur. He notes that Brian's like convulsing on the mat. This is before the stoppage and before the injury occurs. Right, is, at, it, is it? Was this him selling the the tombstone? Yes, I believe so. Yes, because that was on the outside, right? That's that's the other thing is I don't think the injury would have happened on the first elbow drop because he took a tombstone on the outside and he wouldn't have the strength to hang on for safety. And given his injury history with his head, I don't think he's right. taking that on the outside if he has a broken arm. So they get back in the ring and then there's another top rope elbow and you're right like he comes down on Brian's right arm with his body weight i guess it's hard yeah. to see because the camera's from like the other side but brian's like he said in the press scrum he didn't tuck his arm enough when you see it right before it happens it doesn't really look like his arm's out much but he does kind of move a little bit as he takes takes it and immediately he starts grabbing his arm and then that's right when they go to the stoppage So they were checking on his arm there. And then when you watch from that point on his right arm, he's like holding close to his body and it's kind of just hanging there. And he was asked about this in the scrum. And he said, one of the reasons why he did the yes chant was like to deflect from that a little bit. Like they had some other things planned for the match that they couldn't do because of the injury. He said flat out. And he was asked, you know, the yes chance that's something that he has consciously said that he wasn't going to do an aw he's mm-hmm. done it in one other match and he said he did that consciously this time he did it because of the injury i guess he did it with one arm but um yeah it's because they kind of changed the trajectory of the match after the injury so i believe it happened on the second one which is he said about 10 minutes left in the match it's actually a little bit less than that but it's it's right before the stoppage when the referee checks on and the well, doctor okay. checks on him yeah it's right before that if you go back and watch so yeah, go ahead. I was just gonna say
2: this is one that I I I need to rewatch because you know I watched it you know butt ass early in the morning tired mm-hmm. kind kind of having to 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 babysit my son is that what they call it when you have to parent your your son <laughs> <Yeah>. babysitting? <laughs> um, so I was a little distracted, and the finish kind of threw me off. It just it felt kind of out of nowhere. And I feel like I'm going to enjoy the match more now that I know how it, it all happens, you know, cause I, you know, I'm spending the match looking for the arm injury, mm-hmm. wondering how the finish is going to happen. So I, I think this is going to be one that is uh, better upon second viewing.
1: I can, I can almost, if you're looking for this, I think I can almost remember the time stamps in my head. I think the first elbow is right around like three hours and 43 minutes. And then the second one's around like three hours and 47 minutes. And I think the show is like 358 or something on the replay. And that includes like the, you know, the stuff after the match with the celebration, the music and stuff. So it's, it's like just under 10 minutes. This was a 27 minute and 40 second match. So it's, it's like in the late teens, just before 20 minutes into the match or so is when the injury happens. But, uh, yeah, I really I actually really like the finish. It did kind of come out of nowhere. I'm sure they changed some again, some of this on the fly. Maybe they were going to go a little bit longer. I don't know for sure. But that submission looked so mm-hmm. brutal.
2: And it made That's sense because he, he yeah. had been
1: working Okada's shoulder the entire match. Yep.
2: Not not only you know, obviously to stop the Rainmaker, but uh, to
1: play into the finish. Yeah uh so he did that surfboard early in the match which looked really good um okada hit a cross body on the outside into the fans that was a cool spot mm-hmm. uh, again danielson with the kicks kicks always look really good uh C- cattle mutilation he broke that yep. out yep there was a point after the injury yeah this was after the injury when uh <laughs> brian like very audibly said he was going to kick his fucking head in. That was pretty funny. Uh, but yeah, at the end, you know, they're struggling back and forth. He gets that brutal, like double arm submission on. And yeah, so great stuff.
2: They've got he did he already say he's going to be out in about six to eight weeks?
1: Yes, that's what he that, said. That, that, that,
2: that puts him back in time for all in, right?
1: Yes. Eight weeks would be the week before all in. Okay. Yes. So, gosh, I mean, hopefully he can
2: play into the card too. You know, build it up some.
1: Yeah, yeah. You you would hope. I think I don't think he'll be totally gone from TV because he's been. I mean, he hasn't been wrestling, and he's still been on TV. You know, doing stuff. So I'm I'm sure he'll be around. But yeah, he should be back in time. Someone actually like brought that up in the press scrum too. That (laughs) that means he would be back by all in, and as as long as everything goes to plan, yes, indeed. So I'll have all in and then a week later, as they announced on the show, which I thought was kind of odd. They announced this during this show and not during any of the Chicago events last week, but all out, as we've been expecting, is going to happen Labor Day weekend, but this time at the United Center, bigger venue actually in Chicago and not an hour from Chicago in the distant suburbs of the Chicagoland area. So Ryan and Drosty, you know where I've never been. You've never been to the UC? Nope. Oh, I think you're going to have to go there two nights in a row because I think we're going to have to go and we're going to have to go to Collision as well. That sounds like a smart idea to me. Yes. And we'll actually be down, like I said, in Chicago proper and be able to go out downtown and maybe do a meetup because I'm sure we'll have a bunch of listeners there. It's going to be great. Hey, man, that's only a little over two months away. Can't wait. Bring it on. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, go back and watch this one again justin because this is right up your alley i know the crowd wasn't super great yeah but they popped for the right stuff (laughs) and yeah i thought it was technical masterpiece so anything else on it
2: nope i i I just don't feel like i can talk on it too much because it does require a rewatch
1: for me i think i think the injury is what most people are going to (laughs) be you know listening for at this point because people have Hopefully I painted a good picture of when it happened for those of you that are looking for it. Or if you don't know yet, I think the match has been analyzed to death already now, 24 hours later. But I mean, that's when it happened. That's how it changed the flow of the match. Again, I don't think it was from the first elbow just based on what happened on the outside right after. that. I think it was definitely the second one and they stopped the match right after that. So Brian gets the win. Again, I was not super by submission. I was not super surprised by that good celebration to go off the air with the final countdown playing once again yeah this is uh probably gonna be around five stars in the observer too i imagine think so i think so All right. maybe he'll go a little less maybe he'll go four and three quarters we'll see but brian always gets a lot of love in the observer brian could fart and get four stars in the observer <laughs> <laughs> um Let's see. Question in the chat from Adam. He says, "Do you think in the future there will be more of the Japanese female wrestlers being involved with Forbidden Door?" Yes, I think so. Um, for sure. You know, the you know they did that. Well, Willow coming over, but she's been on AEW as well. I think I think the door is open. Pun intended for more of that with Stardom. Uh, Tony Storm wore an outfit that she wore in Stardom early in her career. By the way, that was called out after the show in the press scrum as well. I, I definitely think they'll be doing more of that going forward. I'd, lo- I'd love to see stardom uh, featured prominently in the show, as long as it doesn't make it a 16 or 17 match card. So <laughs> let us know your thoughts. You can email the show, topropenation at gmail.com. Just like I said last week, you could email the show with an audio file And give us a congrats on episode 300. And Justin, we got some pretty good ones. I think some voices you're going to recognize. Some pretty entertaining calls. I hope this audio level is equal with my mic right now. And I don't blow out your speakers, everybody. But I think we should go to them. Are you ready for this? Yeah, let's do it. We did this for episode 100. We did it for episode 200. Here it is. The episode 300 voicemail line for Top Robe Nation
4: one dino That's one A huge congratulations for episode 300. Ryan, Justin, and Kyle, you guys have put in so much effort over the last near seven years, and it's shown. This is Jesse Velasquez, of course, and I hope you continue to put out another 100, 200, 300 episodes, etc., I will be along for the ride as long as you decide to keep putting out quality content. We can't thank you enough as loyal listeners as well as sometimes co-hosts. It wouldn't be a congratulatory message without a surprise drop.
1: The story you are about to see is true. The names have been changed to protect the innocent.
0: There
4: is a ridiculous wrestling Twitter take out there that says that, according to the Wrestling Observer Newsletter back in October of 2022, Finn Balor versus Edge was the match of the week at Extreme Rules for their I Quit wonderful 30-minute long affair. Here is what we as Top Rope Nation have to say about that.
1: I look at that wrestling and I don't like it.
4: Once again, congratulations, and I look forward to hearing you boys continue to be a fantastic bastion of pro wrestling excellence.
2: As I sit here poolside in beautiful Cleveland, Ohio, I uh, just wanted to take a moment to send my congratulations to my favorite podcast on uh, all the land, Figure Four Weekly. Uh. I'm kidding, of course. It's Greg from Cleveland. Uh, congratulations on 300 episodes. That's probably like 270 more than I've ever done. So, congratulations. Uh, I probably would have something remotely entertaining to say. Uh, but I'm at the pool and I'm pretty sure I have heat stroke. Uh, so, happy holidays. Uh, congratulations to the lovely couple. And, uh... I'm gonna go ahead and take my call off
0: air.
3: Hi, this is Stuart.
4: Was the number one Nails fan and number one AEW fan. We going to say well done 300 episode. and as friends with more.
3: So thank you.
0: Congratulations on 300 episodes. That's incredible. Of those 300, I'd say probably about 283 of them are really, really good stuff, but. Uh, you know, this is the best wrestling podcast in the world. I tried the rest, and I stuck with the best.
1: Um, if I had to pick, like, a favorite episode, um, I might say it was the one where you guys did, like, the, the Royal Rumble history with, like, the All-Star Royal
0: Rumblers. That one was really good. Um, or maybe the one where you reviewed the Over the Edge 1998 main event match. Those two episodes stand out to me. Um, but in general, I love the drafts. I love
1: um, the classics. I love everything about it. So keep up the great work and I'll keep listening.
3: Top Rope Nation and 300 episodes. Congratulations, guys. This is Derek, former co-host of the Oversell podcast. So happy for y'all. You know, we kind of met through wrestling podcast. I've made a couple of a few friends for life. Doing it, And I'm so happy for y'all to be celebrating such a great milestone. So congratulations, Ryan. Congratulations, Justin. And, and even though he's not really with the show anymore, congratulations, Kyle, because you're a part of it, too. Thanks, guys. Keep it up.
4: Hey guys, this is Liam O'Rourke, host of Squared Circle Gazette Radio, author of Crazy Like a Fox, the definitive chronicle of Brian Pillman, and most importantly of all, on this illustrious milestone, a huge fan and recurring guest of Top Rope Nation, sending along my congratulations for hitting your 300th show, a fantastic achievement, particularly... Uh, in an oversaturated marketplace it speaks to your determination the quality of the show over the past six plus years a gigantic tip of the cap to Ryan, Justin and of course Kyle and moreover a huge thank you for everything you've done for a long time now long may it continue uh, been a supporter of the show since the start between the flagship show and the classic episodes on Patreon Uh, You kept me sane a lot of days working in the office, and missing out on the chance to say that would have been a worse decision than picking a pre-show match in the first round of a WrestleMania draft. So here's to another 300, boys, to many more.
0: Hey, guys, uh, Frank Pettyani, PWTorch.com. I just wanted to congratulate you on uh, reaching 300 episodes. It's a great milestone, Um, and uh, let me just take this opportunity to say that you guys do fantastic work. Uh, Ryan, Justin, and uh, I'll even say Kyle Even though he's uh, not with you guys right now um, You know, I've been a listener for a while And I've also had the honor of uh, being on your show As well as you guys uh, doing my show And uh, you guys just put out a great product, you know And uh, you're honest, you know your, um, you know your listeners And um, you, uh, you pull no punches, you know You say it the way it needs to be said And and I appreciate that. And uh, you guys are relatable. You know, you're not trying to be a great podcast. You are a great podcast just because of who you guys are. And uh, I appreciate listening to you guys uh, on a regular basis. So uh, congratulations on uh, the first 300. Here's to 300 and another 300. And uh, as long as you guys want to go, I'll be here. Congratulations.
3: What up, Top Rope Nation? Ben Cruz here from The Ringer a massive massive congratulations on 300 episodes you're uh, 65 episodes away now from being able to listen to an episode of top rope nation every single day of the year so uh, is that the next milestone I, tap us in we'll, uh, we'll we'll send another congratulatory message uh big shouts out to ryan and justin We've come a long, long way from those, those Blue Wire days where we were seemingly talking about wrestling with each other on an island. And again, just a, a huge, huge congratulations. And, and please keep it up. You guys are absolute legends. And, and, and you know I'm a big fan of the show and, and the work that you guys do. So much love. Again, 300 episodes. Just freaking incredible. Talk to you guys soon.
1: There it is. Good stuff. Appreciate was everyone cool. who took the time. Yeah.
2: Um that was really cool. Thank you everybody who who called in and said such nice things. Um uh, just want you to know that we don't do it for you, you marks. We do it for the money and the women.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering if you'd come up with something during that 7 minutes. Very nice. Very nice. That was great. Thank thank you so much everybody. <laughs> that, that was wonderful. Yeah, it was awesome. Fun, fun stuff to listen to. Appreciate all of you out there. And it's been a lot of fun over these last almost seven years. Started the pod in late July of 2016 to, you know, engage with you, to make new friends, to have the daily engagement in the Facebook group and on social media and to have the, the meetups that we have done with some of you at wrestling events over the years and hopefully more of those to come as well and thank you adam in the chat for your message as well so uh justin thank you for coming on these podcasts all these years with me and kyle wherever you are thank you as well
2: absolutely uh most importantly thank you ryan the the engine and the heart and the brains of this entire operation uh we can lose kyle we could lose me we can't lose you man so thank you so much
1: gotta have someone mixing this thing right i appreciate that (laughs) Got to have someone stand up two hours after we go off the air to get this exactly. out on the feeds. <laughs> hey, I mean, I always wanted to do a podcast. I said this in the past. I mean, years before we started this, and I was just right, waiting for the right people at the right time to put it all together, came together at the right time. And it's been really, really fun over the years to, to watch this thing grow. Yes, the heart and the soul, Tim says here in, in the chat. So, yeah. Uh, You can always email us, get us a hold of us on social media. Of course, the Facebook group, Top Rope Nation Pro Wrestling Discussion. Justin, we've got a Patreon show to record pretty soon for our Patreon backers. King of the Ring 2001 coming up uh, here at the end of the month or early in July. We got to talk about the scheduling. Might be a little tough with 4th of July coming up, but we'll get that probably in the next week to week and a half. Can't wait. I think that's a kind of a divisive show. It is a, I, I've been told it is somewhat divisive by some out there. So we have to, we will have to talk about that. I also want to, wanted to shout out that I did a top rope nation extra with Rick Skelton patron of the show has been on many times before on top rope nation extra, but it was the first time Rick and I have done a show together. We went over an hour and a half last Friday talking about the best WWE stories of all time. I had a blast on that show. It was great stuff. Uh, so you can hear that on the patreon feed you can hear the first 15 minutes on our main uh, podcast feed right now if you want to hear that but yeah sign up for the patreon page you can do the seven day free trial now and get full access for those seven days and you can hear the full top rope nation extra you can hear all the top rope nation classics that are in the archives over 100 bonus podcasts link in the description here that is the best way to support what we do Uh, moving forward so i think that's about it i think we got through it justin we're now 300 in sir cheers yeah cheers to you sir thank you everyone who tuned in live make sure to like this video and subscribe on youtube and of course same thing goes for the podcast feed subscribe rate us five stars leave us a written review all that always helps and uh yeah with that said i'm ryan Drosty. For Justin Joint, this has been Top Rope Nation. Take care, everybody. Have a good week. Peace.